Welcome back to podcast 28 um, in the Jesus Said That series. Today, as you can see, it's, we're getting closer to Christmas. Right. Exciting. Very excited about that. So just kind of shifted the camera around mm-hmm. here. Uh, I was tempted because today's topic is judging without hypocrisy. Mm. So I thought about wearing a pink shirt because I know everyone would look at me and say, why are you wearing pink? <laughs> <laughs> or I thought about wearing my Capitals jersey. But uh, I went without that. But uh, today's topic is on judging. Mm. Uh, I hope people won't judge us too harshly. Both of us have head colds getting over it. I feel like being a parent with little children, I'm always getting sick. I never used to be sick. And now it's like, when do I not have some type of cold or something? And I think with you watching... I was going to say, your mom and I, are, uh, we were good for like years, and then the children started coming to grandchildren. It's like, okay, we, we share in your joy. Yeah, I was getting in the car the other day with Kimmy, and she's three or whatever, uh, and she starts like licking the bumper of the car. It's like, what, what are you doing? Uh-huh. It's disgusting. And yeah. You try your best, but... So, uh, today is uh, judging without hypocrisy. So I want to open up with a little little story, mm-hmm. kind of to get us thinking about this topic before we get into the text. So imagine that you have been chosen to be part of a jury in a court case. Now you have been. I haven't. I've gone to jury duty, but mm-hmm. I've never been selected. Yeah. Um, if you live in PG County, you're going to do a lot of juries. You're coming up <laughs> probably every third year. Yeah. Yes. So uh, a quick story. Once I was called to be on jury duty, and for those of you who don't know, in our area. Mm-hmm. Um, the night before you're supposed to go in, you call in, and then they'll say who they don't need, right. a certain number. And uh, if they don't need you, you stay at home, and you can wait your year or two. Yeah. But if they call you, you have to come in. Well, I called in. This was, I've done it two or three times. And I called in, and they said, my number was dismissed. So I was, I was so happy. Sure. Then I remember like a month later, I got a letter from the county from a judge saying that you skipped your jury duty and you'll be <laughs> prosecuted um, if you do not appear. And it's like, I got dismissed. And the crazy thing was another guy from our church was in the same jury as me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said they were dismissed too. So I don't know what happened there. A lot of red tape. But uh, you were on a murder trial. I was. I remember was- that. Quite an interesting uh, experience, to say the least. Uh, it was Thugville, you know. I mean, even the people they brought in to testify, it was quite an experience. And uh, I'll never forget that one. Yeah. So just imagine you're now on that uh, jury case, the court case. You're one of the 12. The judge walks in. and We've all experienced that. And you're supposed to rise. However, in this story, the judge is Jesus. Mm. So... The accused is brought in and stands before him, and uh, Jesus silently pulls out a magnifying glass and a mirror. Mm. He stands up and he declares to the jury, before you judge and scrutinize the accused, I want you to look into the mirror and examine yourself with the magnifying glass. And my question is, how would you feel Mm. the moment Jesus said that? Mm -hmm. Because basically saying, examine yourself first— before you judge this man. So today's passage is probably one of the, if not the most abused passage from Scripture. I agree. Judge not lest ye be judged. So uh, 
we are going to look at this, and Jesus is going to teach us how we should judge. Mm-hmm. We look at more than just verse one. <laughs> Absolutely. We also address how people take Jesus's words on judging out of context. Exactly. So this is podcast uh, episode twenty-eight, Jesus's Sermon on the Mount: Judging Without Hypocrisy. From Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Mm-hmm. I'm Pastor Kenny Birch Jr., Associate Pastor at Coleman Manor Bible Church and Creator of Theology for Everyday Life for Kids. And I am joined by my father, Dr. Ken Birch, Senior Graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, author of the Fire series, and Senior Pastor at Coleman Manor Bible Church, and many other things. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just, uh, before we get into this, anything you want to say about this passage or any? comments you want to make before we just jump in because it's a short passage no it's a great passage and people that identify with christ might not know any other scripture but they know (laughs) and i've had it hurled at me when Uh i've had to do church discipline judge not that you be not judged Uh so we want to give you the rest of the story yeah yeah so we just start in verse one we're finally to the last chapter in the sermon on the mount so uh, let's see, there's a total of 29 verses left in this sermon. Mm. Wonderful sermon. Amen. And yeah. uh, Jesus says, do not judge so that you won't be judged. Now, as we commented, a lot of people take verse one mm-hmm. and they throw out the next four verses. Exactly. And say, don't judge me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Christians mm-hmm. should be tolerant. Right. Mm-hmm. However, for someone to say, don't judge me. Logically, that is a judgment. Exactly. If you look at someone and say, do not judge me, you are judging them and making a judging statement. So Jesus himself makes judgments all through this sermon. Right. It's not like he just appears on the Sermon on the Mount and says, do not judge, so you won't be judged. And that's the end of the sermon. His His whole sermon is judgment. Exactly. He's teaching. So we have to understand really the context of what he's saying. Uh, we'll learn in verse 5 that Jesus is talking about hypocritical judgment. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something a lot of people struggle with, honestly. So I wrote a little example here. I remember I taught this to our young adults, and this was the example. I kind of modified it a little, but imagine that I'm being interviewed. And this is what people do to this passage. So just yes. kind of think of this passage and then think of this illustration. Mm-hmm. So imagine that a reporter comes up to me and says, uh, Pastor Kenny, tell me about your Sunday morning routine. Please don't leave out any details. So I'm like, okay. On, on Sunday mornings, I'm focused on my ministry. Before I leave the house, I drink a cup of coffee, review everything I will be teaching. I get dressed and brush my teeth. I don't eat breakfast before church. A lot of times I don't eat because I'm singing and stuff. Maybe that's horrible. I don't know. But I like just having my cup of coffee. And usually when I'm teaching the children, later on I'll have a snack with them. Mm -hmm. But uh, usually I don't eat. So the reporter says, so you don't eat before church. And my quote is correct. I don't eat. So then the next day, I get a newspaper. I think they still make those things. (laughs) Not many people read them. But the next day... The headline in the paper is, Pastor Claims to Never Eat. Mm -hmm. The whole article is taken from one quote and is taken out of context. The context is, I don't eat before Mm. church on Sunday morning, where they make the quote, hey, he never eats at all. And that is what people do with Jesus' statement on judging. Mm -hmm. They take one little statement, they take it out of context and say, boom, see, don't judge me. So the next time someone says, Jesus said, do not judge me, 
I think this is a very mm-hmm. kind response because I think we need planned responses. Exactly. You can say that quote is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Most people have no clue that, about that. Right. And then you say, can you finish his quote and tell me what he says in verse 5? And most people will say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they just know the one statement. So then you can quote it for them and say, hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Mm-hmm. And then you tell them, clearly Jesus is telling us not to be hypocrites when we make a judgment. Instead, we should make sure we are not struggling with that same sin. And I think that's a kind way to make people see, okay, I didn't know what I was talking about, because Jesus is making a judgment. Exactly. I I was just thinking, had I known you didn't eat, mom and I could have saved (laughs) one-fifth on a food bill all those years, right? Mm. You have to just laugh at that. Great illustration, because it drives home the point. And throughout, uh, Jesus is uh, teaching us to make judgments mm. and how essential they are. You don't cast your pearls before swine. Right. And then uh, I'm looking forward to getting into verse 15, where it says, beware of false prophets, because sadly today, we're all called to be fruit inspectors in a Christian life, that the only way you can tell somebody's saved is if they're bearing fruit, mm. which is absurd. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll deal with taken that. Taken out of context there. again. Totally taken out of context, abused and just inaccurate biblically. But we'll we'll take a look at that. So there are judgments made. He that is spiritual judges all things, writes uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians mm. 2.15, but he himself is rightly judged by no one. So life is based on judgments. We just don't want to be wearing the mask mm-hmm. when we are judging others and doing so hypocritically. What I love about the Sermon on the Mount, if you have the giving of the law, so many things were external. You know, don't, don't murder anyone. And Jesus gets to the heart and says, don't be angry at anybody or, or don't commit adultery, uh, says the law in Exodus 20. And, and Jesus uh, deals with the heart. But there is always judgment going on. You can't get through life without it. And particularly in a Christian context, Paul had to put a man out of the church because of a sin going on. So good, good analogy. So Jesus says, do not judge so that you won't be judged. Verse two, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. So when Jesus judges you, he will judge you in the same manner in which you judge others. Yeah. So, and I, I think once you understand he's talking about hypocrisy, right. it makes so much sense. Like, how dare I go tell someone, uh, you know, don't use bad language. And then I get angry and then I'm using bad language. Or I say, uh, uh, let's say I struggle with anger mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm counseling people on how not to be angry. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, what to do when you are angry. By the way, that was a good Bible study on, what was that, uh, Tuesday night? Yeah, on, on the top anger. of anger. Yeah, yeah very, thank you. We enjoyed that. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so it's all about hypocritical judgment. Because when you judge what you will, mm-hmm. he's going to judge you by your own standard. I think a great question, and I derive this from the book of James, is your judgment tempered with mercy? Uh, we all want justice for others, and mercy for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. It's true. Uh, James 2.13, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So we have to consider um, what we would want oh. and, and that. And just a reference to go with this, John, uh, excuse me, Luke 6.37, judge not 
and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be uh, forgiven. So yes, we need to have judgment, not hypocritical judgment, and even that judgment should be tempered with mercy. And then we're going to see later on, sometimes it's best, even if we judge in our minds, not to say anything. That's right. right. (laughs) Sometimes it's best to keep our opinions to ourselves, if it is an opinion. Yeah. So we come down to verse three. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Mm -hmm. Now, I think it's, it's one of those things I've taught this, and you just, the more you study, the more you read. Mm hmm. I think the more you see things you didn't see before exactly. that were there, <laughs> not yeah. new things. But I like how it's a splinter and then a beam. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So the splinter is just that tiny piece of wood. I looked up the word and it, it meant something small and dry. Yeah. So you right. kind of have that little small mm-hmm. dry piece of wood in your eye, mm-hmm. your, your brother's eye. And then you have this giant beam out of your own eye. Yeah. Point being is you both have the same problem. Mm-hmm. One's just more severe than the other. Mm-hmm. But it's not like that person's struggling with stealing and you're struggling with anger. It, mm-hmm. it, it It's Jesus is using, they both have the same problem. Exactly. And he's saying, don't be a hypocrite. Don't contemn someone else when you have the same problem. Uh, the CSB study Bible says the splinter represents mm-hmm. a small fault. So it's, it's something small. Maybe they lose their temper. Yeah. Maybe something slips. The beam of wood represents a major moral fault. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think about the Pharisees. Here they are, and they're teaching people the law of Moses, yet they want to kill Jesus, the Messiah. Yeah. Those who correct the minor faults of others without attending to their own more serious faults are hypocrites. Believers do have a responsibility to help one another repent of sins but only after first dealing with their own serious sins. Yeah, David is uh, the one who came to my mind. I just made a quick note as I was running through your notes, and I'm thinking, wow, he's committed adultery. He he has someone murdered. He's, his his hands are, are blood-stained. So how does God deal with this? He sends Nathan a prophet. He tells him a story that gets his attention. And uh, David gets furious because there's an injustice less than what he had committed, of course. And David says, literally from the Hebrew, that person's a son of death. Uh, They deserve to die. And that's when Nathan says, you're (laughs) the man. That's the idea. You know, instead of something small, uh, we have big. And the big is the two by four protruding, which is so obvious. And when we're trying to take that little, that little, uh, sin out of someone else's eye. Yeah, and it's comedy, obviously, Jesus. Exactly, Jesus yeah. Imagine that picture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just to make this very practical, if you struggle with time management, don't be telling people how to manage their time. Exactly. As someone, I used to struggle some with time management, and I've gotten much better. And I notice now, especially since I always try to be early, um, try to be early, set up, so forth. Sure. But I, I'll notice the people who are very late. Yeah. And then sometimes those are the people giving advice to others on time management. Exactly. Or it's the person you go to their house or apartment and it's a bomb. Mm-hmm. Like all the time, not just, you know, right. kids messed up, but it's unorganized. And then they're trying to give other people tips on how to keep their house clean. Right. <laughs> you know, it, so this is talking about just real everyday issues where people have problems, 
And instead of addressing it and fixing it themselves, they're going around and giving advice, counsel to others, and they're just hypocrites. You know, it's it, almost like delusional age. Oh, yes. tr- I'm trying not to be critical, uh, but it, it's as if you're listening to people giving advice on every topic on planet Earth, and things are so obviously wrong oh. in their own lives: time management, weight management. Oh. Um, management of the mouth, whatever the case might be. And then I'm going, oh, you know, Jesus would say, why don't you make a few corrections here yourself? And then we'll see what we can do with you helping others down the road. But I just, I sometimes marvel and I'm going, how can you miss that? Everybody, everyone else uh, sees that. So. Two other illustrations I would give is we all have that family member or friend who's out of shape. Yeah, yeah. So politely, yeah. rather on the obese side. And they'll be the ones always giving you health tips right. about what you should eat and how you, sh- how you should exercise. Right. And you kind of look and you're like, that doesn't make sense. you know. Or you have the people whose kids are terrible, and yet they're always counseling people on how they should take care of their own kids. Exactly. And you're, and you're scratching your head saying, have you seen your own children? So right. um, those are just two examples of a million you could yeah. give. So basically, it's self-examination. Mm-hmm. Jesus continues in verse four. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Mm. So Jesus is saying, don't be a hypocrite by judging people when you have not judged yourself correctly on the same issue. It's all about self-examination. So we kind of come back to that opening illustration of the magnifying glass. How would you judge the accused after you examined your own Mm. life? And what I love about the words of Jesus, unlike many other philosophers, mm-hmm. he's much more than a philosopher, he's God, but they often will say pithy statements, even Solomon, uh, but won't give solutions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Where Jesus is, here's a problem, identify it, this is how you fix it. So this is what he says, hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your own eye, And then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. So he's like, take care of your problem. Once you solve your problem, then help others. And we see that with uh, former alcoholics. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're the best counselors for people who struggle with it. Because they're like, I've come out of that. Uh, People who have addictions or people who are angry, people who are whatever, they come out of that lifestyle and Mm. they say, let me help those. And... um, I don't want to say they have more authority, but people look at them and like, if you overcame it, you know, maybe I can too. I think the key is being spiritual. And that's not necessarily being mature. Maturity is spirituality over a long period of time. If we had to wait for uh, mature people to help individuals with troubles, there would never be anything done because there's just not that many individuals like that. Paul writes, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, also means it's rightly related to God, you who are spiritual, restore. And it's such as one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And that was always my pastoral um, means of reminding me, look at myself before I go and deal with someone else. We're in a ministry. We have uh, quite some cumulative time between us. Uh, when you think of all that we've done and what people will never know about. But you always have to look at yourselves before you go and you correct anyone else because you just want to make sure you're right with God in the right spiritual relationship with Him. 
because God doesn't want a hypocrite just correcting someone else. And we're, we're obliged to do this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But it's to be done in the spirit yeah. of humility. And the word restore was used secularly of mending bones. And how do you mm. want somebody to set your broken yeah. bone? And it's, <laughs> yes, not that, you know, you want yeah, as gentle it, as right, possible. As gentle as possible. And that's how our disposition oh. should be as well. And I think we as pastors, we understand we have a stricter judgment. Yeah. And it scares us. I agree. I, agree. <laughs> I think it scares us greatly. Yeah. And that's sometimes why I do get a little concerned with YouTube and such, because people might not have the title pastor, mm-hmm. but a lot of people are taking teaching roles. Yeah. Who are saying things that are incorrect. Right. And it's like, are you now kind of impeding into that space of being a teacher? So uh, I think you have to be very careful with what you say. Mm. So Wearsby has a great quote, Warren Wearsby. I always like that, W.W. Wearsby. Yeah. That's a cool name, you know, yeah. for the internet age. The purpose of self-judgment is to prepare us to serve others. I love that. Yeah. Um, we evaluate ourselves not so that we're super righteous, mm-hmm. But obviously, it makes us, as we should be, pure before God, but it prepares us to serve, because that's why we're created. Uh, Christians are obligated to help each other grow in grace. When we do not judge ourselves, we not only hurt ourselves, but we also hurt those to whom we could minister. Mm. The Pharisees judged and criticized others to make themselves look good, but Christians should judge themselves so that they can help others look good. There is a difference. Love that quote. That's a great quote. We are to be individuals that are mindful of our future rewards because they're peppered throughout the scripture about what the Lord's going to give to us. People go, oh, that's so selfish. Well, if you think about it, the rewards that come include greater service in the future, like the uh, parable with the minas in uh, Luke 19. So we want to make sure our hearts are right with God. So we can even serve people to a greater capacity in the future. And I think that's important to keep in mind when we're, when we're looking at what we're doing. And we're trying to get that, um, if you will, problem solved with someone else's life so they can be a better servant. Yeah, yeah. it's not to put them down. Exactly. And it all comes back to the whole point of the law, the whole point of basically our existence. Not that we're under the law anymore, but love mm-hmm. God. Timeless principle, love God, love right. everything, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. The two timeless principles that I think most covenants are built on. That's right. <laughs> and the dispensation you live in. So, mm. okay, so he says, hypocrite, take it out. And then he goes to verse six. Mm. Oh, one of, I think one of my favorite verses when it comes to wisdom. And it's, don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. So I've written down, this is one of my life verses that my father taught me, because often when we judge, we're giving words of wisdom from scripture. However, giving wise judgment and words to foolish or wicked people is like giving pearls to pigs. They will walk all over your statements and try to destroy you. So I think there's a time we just keep our mouth shut. I know I've worked with people in the past, especially with youth, that you just see they're wicked and they don't care. Yeah, They're immoral and they don't care. It's that whole attitude. So it's like, why am I still going to keep teaching you? Exactly. Spending time with you. Uh, you don't want to change. You, you don't, you're you going to continue on your sin. Yeah. So it's tossing those pearls before pigs. Right. Um, 
once again, I, I try not to quote the same guy twice, but Wearsby just had another yep. great quote right. um, here. He said, Christians must exercise discernment, for not everyone is a sheep. Some people are dogs or hogs, and some are wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm. We are the Lord's sheep, but this does not mean that we should let people pull the wool over our eyes. The reason we must judge as God's people, we are privileged to handle the holy things of the Lord. Right. So we have to be very careful with when to keep our mouths closed. Exactly. He goes on to say, uh, he entrusted us with the precious truths of the word of God, and we must regard them carefully. No dedicated priest would throw meat from the altar to a filthy dog, and only a fool would give pearls to a pig. While it is true that we must carry the gospel to every creature, it is also true we must not be cheapened the gospel by a ministry that lacks discernment. Even Jesus refused to talk to Herod, and Paul refused to argue with people who resisted the word. We do make judgments. They cannot be hypocritical. And there are times we just shut our mouths. (laughs) No pearls before swine. So uh, anything you want to add before we look at our employment? Nehemiah just comes to mind because uh, he was surrounded by enemies everywhere you went for Israel, north, oh. south, east, and west. They were all there, and they were always trying to discourage him with the work. And at one point, he goes, I'm doing a great work. Why should I come down, if you will, and meet with you? So sometimes we are wasting our words, and it's just better because people that have a wicked heart, um, they will turn and um, use your words against oh. you, not correctly, uh, but oh. incorrectly. And that's what Jesus had experienced. Remember, he's even being tried later on. And all these accusations thinking, yeah. of his former statements, all out of context, of course, uh, came up. So that's, it's just, that's a great piece of wisdom in Matthew 7 and verse 6. I think that many of us would do better in life and save ourselves yeah. <laughs> from people attacking us just by learning when not to speak. Unsaved people are going to act like unsaved people. So I think sometimes we need to focus more on giving unsaved people gospel. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously we can share wisdom and such with them, but we must be careful. <laughs> yeah. Because they're not open to the things of God. Exactly. Most of the time. So we're going to get to our employment points. And I have one simple empo- employment point. Mm. So as a follower of Christ, examine yourself before offering advice. So Jesus said that his followers must not make hypocritical judgments. They must examine themselves before offering advice or correction to others. Sometimes it is best not to offer advice or throw what is holy to dogs. So question I need to ask myself, do I examine myself before I open my mouth or am I quick to speak? Am I wise in my own eyes and think everyone needs to know my opinions? And that's one thing I've learned, even with YouTube or whatever, I don't need to make my opinion known on every subject. Exactly. The world can get along fine without me telling them everything I think. And there are older, wiser men than me who are handling topics much better than I ever would. Mm -hmm. Let them handle it. Exactly. (laughs) So sometimes it's best to say, hey, here's a good resource or here's a good book. Instead of saying, let me walk you through everything I know. Um, and then our thought, if I am convicted and know I'm a hypocrite, will I change my behavior and evaluate myself before I open my mouth? Mm. I think a lot of people just need self-examination exactly. and say, I have issues, let's fix it. 
Um, cause I, I kind of get sick of the old thing when you go to a church that's kind of seeker sensitive and it's, we're all sinners. We're all bad. Yeah. We're, it's like, well, why don't you change your behavior? Exactly. <laughs> Which, yes, we do sin, but we should be living holy lives and having victory. So, mm. um, anything you want to add? Yeah, I think the examination is Jesus talking to his disciples. It's not an examination about whether they are true believers no. or not. And I think there's just so much misemphasis these days upon, you know, we need to see if we're really saved. You just don't find that in no. the New Testament. Even passages like Second uh, Corinthians thirteen five: examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Paul's making a point in the entire book of Second Corinthians. He's defending this apostleship. And so he's saying, hey, guys, if you look at yourselves, and yes, you are saved, then how did you get saved? You got saved because I came, I'm an apostle, and I I preached Christ, and you got saved. I think we should regularly be looking at ourselves to see if we're right with God, if there's anything that's wrong uh, with our speech or our, our motives and our actions. Those things are critical. And one day you'll be so glad you did because we're going to stand before Jesus and in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you know, th- those will receive eternal reward who had the right doctrine and they had the right motives, but the others are going to stand there with a little pile of ashes. Yeah. People probably perceived Christians as individuals that were serving God rightly. And Jesus is going to say, no, because I saw into your heart. Uh, so this is only to make you in a better position one day uh, that you can stand before the Lord and have eternal uh, rewards. So this lesson is so critical for so many different reasons. There's kind of, I've noticed because you were talking about that the other day that how many, there's so few verses in the New Testament that tell you how to become a Christian. Yeah. When you really think about it, so few verses tell you actually how to be saved because these letters were written to people and the gospel was simple. Yeah. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, yeah. <laughs> and you're saved. Yeah. Um, and as you were saying, so many people make bad judgments and think, okay, so to really be saved, I have to do all these good things. Yeah. And then it's like, are we now works-based? Exactly. So uh, we'll look more into that as we look at the words of Jesus. Um, that was podcast 28, the Sermon on the Mount, Judging Without Hypocrisy from Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Uh, as a side note, uh, yesterday we went to the uh, Bible Museum of the Bible, or yeah. the Bible Museum, whatever one it is. Museum of the Bible, you're right. And uh, Pastor Ken and uh, my dad, mom, took me and Becca and little Clark, because he's a baby. Right. And we had a wonderful time. Yeah, we did. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's in Washington, D.C., um, very close to our house, just metroed, and, but very well done. So I would highly, highly recommend going there. I, sh- I should have been there before, but it's been busy. But I know you've been there a few times. Yeah, my third time. And uh, first time I went, I was a skeptic because I'm always hearing people trying to disprove the yeah. Bible. It was just the opposite. Everything we looked yesterday on the one floor on the history of the Bible, and then it'll talk about the stories of the Bible. Yeah. And it, it all just has great information, just yeah. showing you that everything that we have believed from the Bible is 100% true. Not a sponsor or anything, but I just wanted to yeah, throw that yeah, out there because a good, it's a wonderful place to go. Take Absolutely. your family. Yeah. Make sure they can read. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of reading. A lot of reading. But uh, it's a, we had a wonderful time. Yeah. Well, we'll see you next time as we're going to be looking at asking, seeking, and knocking about a praying. 
So uh, I think we'll have a lot of interesting information there. We'll see you next time.